Open House, a podcast about how to build brands better. And I'm your host, Suchita Salvan, the co-founder of LBB. On Open House, I have candid conversations with founders, CXOs and entrepreneurs behind India's most compelling brands. Today, I'm in conversation with Sleepy Owl's co-founder, Arman Sood. Sleepy Owl is a new age coffee company that's making good quality coffee accessible to consumers across India through their cold brews, ready-to-drink coffees and an array of such coffee-based products. I've known Arman and his co-founders since they launched Sleepy Owl as fresh graduates from law school that too and it's been so great to see them expand and grow their portfolio. In this episode we talk about competition and how at times a rising tide lifts all boats as it has with the coffee movement so to speak in India. Arman also talks about the amount of research and development that goes into launching new products and subcategories for Sleepy Owl. It takes a lot to build a consumer product that too with a limited shelf life and in this episode from fundraising to high his own personal growth as a leader, Arman and I cover all this and more. If you're early in your startup's journey, you will thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy today's episode. Arman is refreshingly honest and upfront and you'll catch snippets of that throughout today's conversation. Let's jump right in. Welcome to uh, episode four of LBB's Open House, a podcast about how to build brands better. And today I have the co-founder of Sleepy Owl, Arman, uh, who's going to give us uh, hopefully the A to Z nuts and bolts of how you guys have been able to build Sleepy Owl as a brand. Uh, I'm assuming that little smoke coming from Nietzsche is your hot cup of coffee. Uh, branding on point. I noticed the t-shirt is uh, <laughs> as well. I should do this shit too, man, for, for LBB. We actually have a hoodie. Uh, but uh, I ripped it uh, accidentally. <laughs> so um, I'm going to brush up on my merchandise. But uh, let's jump right in, Arman. I don't mean to sound like one of those, you know, old ass aunties at weddings. But, you know, I've seen you guys since you were like a tiny ass company. And you guys mm-hmm. were like three mm-hmm. law school, you know, graduates who were just about wrapping your heads around how you're going to make this cold brew thing a thing. Uh, you know, cut to 2020, where today we have like a billion coffee brands uh, and new ones cropping up every day, right? Uh, the billion is an exaggeration, guys, but you you get the gist. So how how does it how does it feel, you know, to be one of the first insurgent brands, but now, you know, one of the very many coffee brands th- that exist? I think, uh, Sushita, to be honest, uh, firstly, thank you so much for having me on this podcast. It's an absolute pleasure after hearing season one to be here and be a part of season two. Um, when we started in 2016, we were one of the first, uh, you know, insurgent coffee brands, like you mentioned. And I think today, the fact that there are so many is just a validation of the fact that we, we were on the right path, right? Uh, it validates the fact that uh, there is a demand, uh, you know, for, for the product that we created and for... Uh, the coffee category as a whole, right? So I think uh, in, initially, right in the beginning, you know, we were uh, we were worried for for a little bit about oh, okay, fine, there are so many new players coming in, but we we grew to accept that because we realized that the more the merrier, right? Each coffee brand is going to help expand the pie as a whole, right? And then you know, it was our job to keep doing what we do really well to 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 get a bigger share of that pie, right? I think when we started in 2016, the pie was too small. There were very, very few people who were consuming freshly brewed coffee. And um, uh, that had to change, right? And it it is impossible for one brand to do it alone, right? So I think we, in a way, also gave confidence to more brands to come in and be like, okay, uh, you know, we want to do, uh, you know, play in this space and do something. I think one of the most interesting things that happened, though, is exactly, you know, a year after our launch, Starbucks introduced cold brew across its outlets in India. And at that point in time, you know, uh, people were like, okay, like Starbucks has introduced cold brew. Like, what are you guys going to do? And I think for us, like, it was great because they did spend a lot of money marketing cold brew in India. And that's exactly what we needed, right? Like for more people to be aware. And I, I don't, uh, you know, shy ever shy away from saying this ever. You know, uh, people are more than welcome to go to Starbucks, try their cold brew, be disappointed, and then come back and find something <laughs> out. Uh, and then, uh, you know, truly, truly begin to enjoy what... Uh, what great coffee is. I love the point that you brought up about, you know, a rising tide lifting all boats, right? Um, but if we had to, if you had to sort of expand on what the target addressable market for a company like yours is, are you playing the beverage game? Are you playing the coffee game? You're definitely not playing the, you know, cafe game 
at all right Correct. so uh, so when you think of your tam and also when you think of how your tam is different to say that of a company like blue to guy which also started round about the same uh-huh. time as you um it how how do you four years before we did so they have yeah. a, you know uh kudos to them they were in fact to 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 be very honest the first uh, brand to you know do uh you know great quality coffee beans freshly roasted brought to a customer and uh you know i think that the that the path they are on is extremely challenging as well um but they they have a, they had a four year head start on us and uh when we came in uh you know we looked at uh you know every startup has to solve uh you know i think the problem that you face right so for us the problem uh, was that we weren't interested in you know grinding fresh beans every day and making a fresh cup of coffee we found that to be too much work for uh 20 somethings that had just gotten into the workforce and we felt that there'd be more people like us who want to drink freshly brewed coffee but don't want to go the blue to kai way right and we made that our problem right we we made that our mission statement that okay it is convenience that we are after right we want to make freshly brewed coffee extremely convenient and all our products from then on from the beginning have been focused on convenience right so it's not necessarily i wouldn't say that we're playing in coffee as our tam or beverage as our tam but um it's it's lifestyle right like it's 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 a convenient lifestyle through beverages through coffee being what we're doing today but uh, as we move forward i think you know uh, there'll be a lot of exciting things that we do in beverage and coffee and a combination of both uh, down the line but i think what people have enjoyed uh, from our product portfolio is the in ingenuity uh, you know uh, convenience and um you know in innovative ways that we build products right so so yeah so what does it take to build convenience because you know i i actually found your like tea bag equivalent of coffee to be genius because again uh, i fall into that demo right i want a good cup of coffee but i am like lazy as balls i you know don't know anything about french press i own all of this equipment uh, but again you're lazy right and you want someone to do the job for you i thought your tea bag thing was like great uh, you know um uh, cuz it's also you you're used to the behavior right you're used to the behavior of so you're not really changing my behavior you're just changing the drink that i'm getting as a consequence of that behavior but what amount of like research and development goes into you know each of your products so uh you know i think uh it's one thing that we do is we do our uh we do our products slow right we don't rush with any of our launches right like of course had we launched this a year ago uh you know we might have uh you know got got greater revenues and market share faster right but uh, one thing we do at sleepy owl and we try to do is like take our time with launches take our time with product development so that when we do it we do it right and we do it well right um so so there's no hurry from our side like we we do a lot of uh, uh tastings a lot of uh, you know internal checks uh, you know we do a lot of uh, research on where the raw material is going to come from right so some of our stuff is imported uh, you know some of the stuff is 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 gotten locally but but we do spend upwards of 12 months before launching any product right um and and you know there there's this question of of you know that we ask ourselves right like before launching it like is there a demand for it do people want it you know and more often than not that answer comes from our customers ourselves right so if i were to go back and you know when we started with our cold brew bag in box right with the tap um that was you know uh that was uh you know adversity is the mother of invention we didn't have the money to uh you know have a bottling plant or a tetra pack or any other packaging method right so uh we used our mind at that time to come up with that uh, and cross researched online you know what's happening in the world right and i think that's something that we do very often is like look at what's trending look at the options available globally look at what brands that inspire us are doing right and it's never uh, i wouldn't use the word imitate or copy but we do take inspiration from what's happening around the world um and i feel like you know that doesn't discount the hard work that it takes to replicate or come up with something similar in india right uh where we're doing business is a challenge and um so so yeah so we had that product customers loved it and it was our customers you know and, and we were only serving in delhi ncr at that time right when we were the little babies that came to you and said listen lbb can you talk about this and promote this around right like uh, let your audience know that we exist and you guys were kind enough to you know help us blow it up at that point and it was our customers you know around not customers but people around the country who saw our instagram page who saw the beautiful pictures that we shared that started you know asking for it in bombay and bangalore and elsewhere right so we went back to the basics and said okay how do we get a, our product to these states around the country in a cost effective and simple manner right 
and that led to the product development of the cold brew packs right so it was two years before we launched that product one thing that we did was we maintained a database of every single inquiry that ever came in from outside so when we had the product to launch we had about 3000 people to tell that hey listen you asked we launched here you go and from the beginning it was you know uh, got a very favorable response um cut to 2019 uh, when we launched our ready to drink bottles again it was the customer who asked us for it they said you know the the cold brew in a box is available only in ncr the cold brew packs very easy but we don't want to even do that much work right so when can i get a ready to drink and we started researching that space and we realized that between nescafe at the 35 rupee price point full of preservatives and 0.9% coffee which is on their pack so i don't consider that cold coffee and starbucks at the 300 rupee end with full of sugar and preservatives again that's being imported into the country there was no local upstart uh doing something uh, in in the rtd coffee space and once we identified that it again took close to you know 18 to 24 months to come up with a product that is shelf stable is preservative free something that uh, you know today's day and age of consumer really really wants um and and we put that in a in a cool looking bottle and you know started uh, approaching retail stores with it right and got into the fmcg side of it little did we know that you know on that shelf you're not competing in in coffee you're competing in beverage then right you're competing for the mind space anyone who wants to go from water to coke to the coffee and it's been extremely challenging but you know uh, that that's what led to that product coming again it was our customers who asked the hot brew on the other hand was an interesting story nobody really asked for you know a tea bag with coffee in it nobody thought about that our customers didn't tell us but we did experience um, seasonality in our business right where we had uh, you know dark and cold winters and uh, disappointing winters with nothing much to do cuz you know we were unable to uh, you know uh, to to garner uh, in our attention and and revenues at that point in time and we asked ourselves right like india is a country where people have hot tea and hot coffee right a lot and uh, even on the hottest day in the summer people have a hot cup of coffee when they wake up so so we 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 decided that we have to do something in the hot coffee space but it has to have the sleepy owl charm to it it has to have the sleepy owl uh, you know uh, ingenuity to it right and um, again we are not the first people in the world to do this there were um, you know uh, i would say two brands that we found globally that were trying this out and doing it at a small scale uh, one in the us and one in the uk and um, we said okay is it possible to do it here like you know can we can we figure it out and we went pillar to post uh, trying to find uh, the right machine and the right paper to come up with this right uh, neither of which was easy because uh, in india uh, tea bags have 1.5 to 2 grams of tea in them right we wanted to put between 10 to 15 grams of coffee in a pouch and um, it took a long time but we we cracked the code and uh, you know i think this is uh, you know it's a fun product that that we're again getting a great response to so that that's our product development cycle it's it's it's, it's time consuming but uh, well researched Uh, so I want to double tap on what's consistent across your product line, which is just your brand, right? And the way you're able to uh, almost humanize this, you know, approach of drinking coffee. Um, uh, and and I want to get into that because it also ties in with the question of you know what happens when you've got six hundred competitors that come out of nowhere, right? Uh, and sure, market may be growing, but uh, but uh, uh, all of you guys end up chipping a little bit away into each other's spaces and territories, right? And I think you guys have, uh, and this is my personal opinion, but you guys have done a stellar job of your branding. Is that something you actively invest in? And and what does that mean, you know, for you as a co-founder? so so yes you know i think uh, other than other than our products being very unique in themselves right so there was a point when i could probably when someone asked me okay who are your competitors and we would say well in terms of product no one but in terms of mind share yes we have a lot right because when someone thinks coffee they could think of 10 brands right uh, but when it comes to a particular type of coffee or product we are the only ones and we enjoyed that space now i can see that that is also going away because we have brands that are coming up doing products very similar to ours yeah um so so yeah i mean to 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 think about it we realized early on that you know the the only way to differentiate ourselves or what might be our moat uh, would be a brand right but brand is 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 a consequence of uh, you know stellar product coupled with stellar service right 
uh, and and from the get go we've uh, you know been very very anal and focused on the kind of customer experience that we want to deliver right so so whether it is um, you know uh, i mean all the products that we send out and the, and the kind of packaging we go the unboxing experience the the you know we send a little magazine that our marketing team writes uh, into the product something that engages customers during the lockdown when we stopped sending that magazine we had people say listen where's the magazine you know so it's small things like that right when when customers uh, get very particular about the way you've been doing something you know that you know they love you for what you do right uh, of course we realized that you know merchandise uh, you know clothes all of these things like uh, add to add to you know building your brand out right um we've been again you know on the social media front very very particular about the kind of partnerships we do the kind of collaborations we do the kind of content that goes out on our pages right um uh, there's there's you know and I'm, I'm the one who comes to my co-founder ashwajit and i'm like listen you know can we can we talk about this and can we post this and you know uh, more often than not he says no because nothing you know uh, should dilute the the kind of uh, messaging and positioning that you are trying to create um and you know we almost have a, have a no questions asked replacement policy uh, you know no questions asked uh, freebie policy so you know if a customer is ordering product x and wants a little bit of product y you know we do it even if it uh, you know might be a, a slight loss at that moment to us because um, you know we we always try pleasing our customers uh, and and giving them that experience that they will not get anywhere else right uh, that's what makes us different from our competitors in the space and i i truly believe in you know brand marketing right is is what i would like to call it or uh, you know uh, something that i said recently was brand market fit right like while it takes time to achieve product market fit uh, i want people around the country to you know when someone tells them that hey have you heard of sleepy owl they should have heard of it they should know that this exists whether or not they've tried the product right the brand should in their mind evoke a certain emotion uh, a certain feeling of positivity and happiness uh, and I, th- i think that is the first step towards converting them to customers in the future yeah. so me wearing my merchandise on this show or uh, you know having my cup i try and do this uh, you know everywhere i go right like be the brand represent uh, yeah and, um, you know be in people's faces in a good way yeah no it's it's funny you say that because uh, even with lbb i always joke saying we found brand market fit before we found product market fit now uh, but it but like you correctly said it all adds up right when you sort of join the dots at hindsight all of those little pieces uh, you know uh, add up to a larger impact i want to segue into you know the second part of of finding product market fit after you found brand market fit is figuring out distribution out right uh, you guys started fairly direct to consumer and you know you've sort of branched into e-commerce marketplaces um and uh, uh, of course retail as well right which is a super complicated landscape unto itself could you talk me through you know two things uh, and let's start with the first one uh, how did you choose when to you know sort of expand into what um uh, and what were the what were the points of inflection that you were sort of you know thinking through while saying hey man let me get into modern trade um uh, you know was it product related uh, so if we could maybe just jump into that so so you know when we started out we started out as a strictly d2c brand right uh, we did not have uh, uh, any retail or any amazon or big basket at that point and uh, for us that worked out really well because i think getting customers to experience the brand directly and controlling that entire experience from thought to action where they order to receiving the product to the follow up emails that we send to giving them the necessary phone calls to you know talk to them about it get feedback we control that entire cycle right so for the first uh, you know two years we were just d to c while uh, i believe in hindsight maybe that slowed us down on the marketplaces etc but people still knew that you know where do you get cpl their website there was nowhere else to get it right like that's where they come to buy the product and i think um, you know that that allows um, uh, us to own the data and you know uh, and treat it fairly and uh, do it well uh, of course again like i said you know it wasn't us initially that said okay we also have to do retail and we also have to do amazon um retail happened by chance where uh, customers you know wanted product available at stores near them and that got us thinking that okay you know do we have a retail friendly product right um and this was before we launched the bottles right so we started retail at a small scale right um by that i i mean and here to 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 uh, young entrepreneurs maybe listening to this thinking of a retail product no i did not go to food hall modern bazaar and nature's basket first right 
we ourselves went to the local Kirana stores near us and the, what I call A plus stores, right? Um, and we went and convinced these independent store owners in neighborhoods that we believed our online customers were, right? So we used the online data to understand, okay, this is where I get my orders from. Went to the best stores in those areas and our first 50 to 60 stores were, were individually convinced by the founders to keep the product. And we started learning, okay, you know, what is the movement like? How is it picking up? You know, um, you know, is there enough demand? How often are we repeating it? What is the store throughput like? What is the same store sales growth like month on month, you know, to see if repeat customers are coming back to the stores and picking it up. And uh, closer to the launch of our bottles is when we actually started, you know, uh, investing money into getting into Limash, Modern Bazaar, 24-7, etc. Right. Um, and, and and by then, you know, we, we had a fair understanding of how, uh, you know, the retail space works in terms of listing, in terms of movement, in terms of sampling, which was another very interesting uh, maybe for today, uh, you know, how we cracked the sampling code, of course, you know, took great inspiration from the likes of Wind Jeans and, you know, Rock Pressery and other brands that did sampling and we did it our own way and it was a very successful project to get people to try, you know, it's about building trials, building awareness, right? Because the more people try, they they get convinced towards buying, right? Like um, very often on, on um, you know, your product could be on a shelf or on your website, but People are afraid to to give their money, right? Uh, yeah. So they've tried it somewhere. And of course, to couple that, like, you know, acquisition did happen through LBD hosted events, uh, other food festivals, uh, where we, again, you know, the main focus was not sales, but trials, 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 right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of how we entered the retail landscape. Amazon, on the other hand, happened a bit later for us. And we were very late to the Amazon party, but uh, better late than never. Uh, when we jumped on to Amazon and Big Basket, uh, you know, the response was phenomenal from the get-go. Uh, we realized very late that, okay, you know, customers don't necessarily only want to order from your website. Uh, Amazon does offer unparalleled convenience with respect to uh, quicker deliveries, right? Yeah. And uh, around the country, that is. Like from Delhi, when we dispatch our goods, it takes three to four days to reach anywhere in the country, at the least, post-COVID longer. But Amazon still maintains its 24-hour delivery, right? And uh, when we are available on Amazon Prime, there is a customer that wants us quicker, gets us from there, right? Also, I think with the number of upstarts in the market right now, um, you know, I, I um, m- many customers might not want to go from website to website and have 20 delivery guys coming to their house and like, you know, maintain getting different emails, etc. Amazon just makes it easier to build your basket. Even Big Basket makes it easier to couple all your products together. So being on these platforms has its advantages. And uh, However, uh, it's not easy. You can't just list on the platform and expect to, you know, do very well, right? So again, here, my advice and I, my, our learnings have been going first on our website, building that consumer trust has been extremely helpful yeah. uh, to, uh, to allow us to succeed on Amazon, right? Um, and of course, Amazon and Big Basket, fortunately or unfortunately, are based on the relationships you have with the teams that are giving you the purchase orders, that are helping you with your promotions, that are you know, advising you on what, you know, how to advertise on these platforms, right? So it, it is, you know, a lot of hustle in terms of having the right relationships and the right contacts. But to expect that you list on these platforms and automatically get sales is something that can never happen. Uh, and for us, thus having a strong website and strong brand prior to listing has been very, very helpful. I think what you've said is so important because I feel like this is a big mistake that I've seen a lot of brands make where they feel that listing is equal to sales, but that's not how it works. Um, You know, you and like you correctly said, you need to, it's just about creating that those touch points across the internet, right? Because you never know where your sale happens, whether your sale happens on your website, on LBB, Amazon, whatever. But uh, at the end of the day, it's about, you know, uh, just having that almost billboard-esque strategy where you're in enough places um, uh, and you're using different tools to, you know, tackle all different parts of, of the customer's marketing funnel. Uh, so if we had to, you know, sort of uh, within this construct of distribution, uh, how different, how difficult, sorry, is it to create differentiated ways of distributing? Because now even platforms and channels have sort of become omnipresent, right? Where um, every customer, uh, you know, in the sense has access to, uh, you know, an Amazon, Big Basket, LBB, Instagram, Facebook, and to an extent, it comes down to how many dollars you have in your pocket to really build yourself on any of these platforms, right? Have there been things that you've tried that have been really interesting in terms of just 
customer acquisition or even customer retention which you want to talk about okay so on the customer acquisition front right like i think our first focus has always been our website right like because again like i said you own the customer you own the experience of the customer right and that's extremely important so of course we've invested um, a lot of dollars on facebook instagram and google being the three primary channels of paid acquisition that most brands go to right and we've had our share of uh, success and failure uh you know with uh, with these with uh, marketing using these platforms um so i would say that you know it's been it's been fairly tough uh, but we have had cycles where we've had great return on advertising spend and then it's gone down and we've really had to you know uh, rack our brains on figuring out how to bring it back to a level where it is acceptable to continue to use these platforms to advertise um and i think uh, you know we worked with we've never worked with agencies all our creative content is done in house but we work with freelancers that we can find uh, that you know are willing to dedicate themselves to the brand uh, in its growth and that's been you know what's worked for us uh, on these platforms um with respect to uh, you know amazon and big basket right with amazon yes we do invest a significant amount um but, uh, and the returns are fairly good but again there's a lot of uh, help that you need from the amazon advertising team and the guidance you know of how to crack the system big basket on the other hand uh, you know we were part of the big basket accelerator program uh, and and that was a you know a great phase for us where uh, you know you get into households uh, and and uh, of course it's it's slightly discount oriented where you have to you know throw a lot of discounts and we've had situations where customers have come to our website and told us listen website you're available at you know 500 on big basket you're available at like 420 what the hell and that again is a sign that you know not just that i mean the fact that they have done that is a sign that they love the brand and they care and that they know and that they are aware of these things right so keep in mind like you know you can't get away with trying to you know play the customer the customers are the smartest and um, we uh, we learned that as well right and we pulled back from big basket we said listen like you know we'll be a part of the program and we'll continue but more than 10% never happening like we will not give more more discount than that because that's not something that is feasible for us right uh, and our customers you know realize this as well so and you you know uh, you you have to be very very aware of this right um so so you know we now we've scaled back from big basket a little bit but um uh, it's it's been a, you know you have to you have to mix it up i'd say you can't you can't rely too heavily on just one channel right uh, you know amazon was uh, you know april april 2020 when covid when the lockdown happened right Uh, our sales on amazon in that month was zero right but uh, we were able to get our website up and running very quickly uh, within within 5 days once we had our passes and stuff and uh, april was a good month you know and then may june july got better and while amazon recovered we had our website to fall back on right and we had retail uh, at that point in time as well with retail also my advice would be you know to be very very careful in terms of throwing away listing fees right uh it's very tempting uh you know firstly you need to have the backing to pay that listing fee it's not you know anyone starting out without funds it's not easy to uh you know afford to pay that fees so uh definitely start out with smaller stores and get your learnings there right before you invest into the bigger store because again being on a shelf doesn't mean you're selling right uh not at all right uh keep in mind when you are at even a 1000 stores the 80 20 rule applies right the 80% of your sales come from 20% of your stores right um and um so so yeah you have to have a keen eye on your distribution mix and how you are spending on that mix speaking of deep pockets uh let's get into fundraising because you know um uh, out of all the 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 d2c brands that may exist some you know me too's of yours uh, some in other categories uh, obviously everyone hasn't been able to raise money the way you guys have right that also mm-hmm. from fantastic investors like dsg uh, etc um how first off what did it take for you to convince you know uh, uh, seasoned investors to put money into sleepy owl uh, especially given that you know you guys were three young law school graduates hustling your way through making this coffee business happen so uh, you know when we when we started out right uh, i think it was uh, like like you said we were we were you know young uh, college graduates still figuring our shit out right like we we had the brand we we launched it the first few months were you know the sales were okay you know and it was growing slightly uh, we we didn't really think Three, four, five years ahead as to what this needs to ha- what needs to go on, and uh, when we started thinking about, you know, I think one of the first things that happened was when 
the the team from DSG Consumer Partners actually called us, and uh, you know, so we I think had a good Instagram, a good website. Uh, the product had received decent feedback, you know, from from the customers, and somehow, uh, you know, uh, Rajiv from Sula Wines had received our product in Bombay. Someone sent it to him, and he told Deepak and team that this is one of the best coffees he's tried. You know, so there's no better way to uh, garner interest than yeah. great word of mouth and uh, you know recommended feedback. So they called us, and I still remember I was you know um, uh, Ajay and I were in the room, you know, just sitting on the bed because we didn't have an office. We were manufacturing in the house, and this was three months in. And they inquired about the business, and we we were doing less than one lakh rupees of sales in a month. And uh, when we told them that, they were baffled. Because we looked much bigger on the outside mm. at that stage mm. also than we were actually, and they said, "Okay, keep in touch. We want to be in touch." And that's when we got the first inkling that man, like we're onto something, you know, like these guys expressed interest and like there there might be others. And we started figuring out, okay, like you know, there's this whole like fundraising thing that we can do to grow faster. And um, we were recommended to a financial consultant, uh, you know, a banker of sorts, uh, who came to us and said that, "Listen, I will not take your mandate to any investor." because you guys are too small so he kind of set us a target and said listen if you can grow 10x in the next 6 to 7 months i will take your mandate even that won't be enough but i will take your mandate and we you know put our heads down did the work hit that number and uh, then we went back to market and this time we didn't go back just to dsg we decided that we should explore you know the the market as a whole and we you know started pitching to investors of course we met maybe 35 to 40 investors lots of rejections lots of uh, you know repeat pitches trying to explain what we're up to and uh, dsg was kind enough to still understand you know being being you know one of the uh, leading food and beverage investors having invested in the best of you know food and beverage companies they understood uh, what our long term play was you know what were we going for uh, what are we hitting at you know what what can we stand for um, and they said listen we want right of first refusal you know so if you are going to raise just think about us and um, and it, that was very heartening for us as well and uh, you know we we picked them and i think it was a great decision because they have you know continued to back us for up, for anyone starting out and i think my piece of advice would be you know uh, like i got i was on a call yesterday with a young entrepreneur who is uh, trying to do something in the mock meat space right and he doesn't have a product yet he's figuring it out but he had lots of questions around fundraising right and my only answer to him was you know tell tell you pitch to anybody go to friends family convince them we did the same thing right if you have you know hnis that you know uh, or people in the industry that you know get some money but until you prove some traction until you prove that you can work see because people don't necessarily invest in even when we when we were invested in dsg i don't think they invested in the business they invested in the team right they believed that we were the right people to launch the rtd they believed that we were the right people to champion the cause for teen you know not the business per se at that point in time you were too small to 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 be exciting for anybody right um so i told him the same thing i said just prove yourself prove that you can get some traction in the market before you worry about fundraising right unless you come from you know having previously exited a startup or you know having worked at uh, some of the big fmcg companies it's very tough to raise on an idea yeah right? um So so yeah, though that's my two cents about fundraising, and like I think, uh, you know, once you prove yourself, you will have uh, you know interest from the right people. So as a young founder and also someone who's new to this space, what are the expectations that you know you set vis-a-vis your investors, right? Um, and what have you learned from your investors, which has actually been an interesting takeaway for you? So you know, I think uh, very often. Um, So one thing that we've learned from our investors is to value our brand, right? Like understand that you know uh, it's very tempting for us to start to want to you know do a good instant coffee, for example, right? Yeah. Very tempting for us to also want to open cafes and play in that space, you know, both of which might be bigger tans, you know, uh, or might drive our revenue up in the short term, right? But uh, they, from their advice, uh, we understood that we're building a long-term brand and we're playing a long-term game. so they have been very kind in terms of uh, you know not having i would say sky high expectations and quick returns right they are they are also in it for the long haul with us right uh, they do understand that the few, you know uh, i mean they're global investors right so they have seen the cold brew and the coffee market in the uk singapore and the us uh, be far ahead of where it is uh, right now in india 
right? So they've supported us from that perspective. I think uh, the next thing about having seasoned investors is you know that they have your back in future fundraising rounds, right? So when you are raising money, you have to know that you you know you are you are partnering with someone, you're bringing someone into bed with you, and you have to have you know uh, trust that they will fight with you and go with you in the long haul. Um, during the pandemic, uh, you know, we've had almost weekly calls with Deepak and team, you know, with updates, with plans, with figuring it out, knowing that, you know, we have the advice of them and their portfolio, right? Like uh, all of all of the portfolio companies are a phone call away when we need advice, when we need help, when we need a contact, you know, and it, they, they come through in that manner as well. Um, and last but not the least, like, you know, they've, uh, they're urging us and uh, we ourselves are now trying to build a, a ship that is uh, unit economic positive that is uh, cash flow positive as far as possible um, that you know uh, we we don't have the growth at all costs mindset right because that is not how especially you know in fmcg or food like that's not how a business is built you can't be you know uh, perpetually loss making and um, you know uh, expect that so during the last six months we've actually made major improvements with the assistance of our investors to turn things around you know and uh, uh, and, and make better deals and make better decisions so i think uh, if you choose your investor wisely then like you know uh, you'll be on the path to doing the same thing and who do you guys look up to you know like when you think of best business practices like crazy good unit economics you know who are the companies that you're tracking or that you're really inspired by so we you know i think uh, i think epigamia is a company that i would say that you know we are, we, we know rohan and like we are he's so cool I thought I thought I spoke fast, and then I heard him speaking, and I was just like, "Hold on, buddy! Uh, I can only comprehend at X speed." Yeah, see, I mean, if you come to think of it, right, Greek yogurt was a brand new category, so was cold brew, right? Um, they had their challenges with cold chain and distribution. We have our challenges with distributing our product as well. Um, they they have worked hard to, you know convince people in the country to understand what flavored Greek yogurt is or like what a Greek yogurt smoothie is and all of that. So, and now with their, you know, honestly with their coconut yogurt, which I'm a big fan of, uh, and they've right? yeah. gone into what I would call a niche category. Right. Um, and, 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 you know, um, I think our products are fairly like novel and niche as well, at least to start with. And so we are both creating categories, right. And trying to, uh, uh, you know, uh, expand the market and share share of the pie and stuff like that. So I think, uh, you know, we're definitely in the Indian scenario, definitely inspired by them. Uh, it, you know, globally, there are so many, Suchita, there are so many brands doing such fantastic stuff from, you know, Chameleon Cold Brew, which was acquired by Nestle. Uh, you have, um, um, what's it called? You have Blue Calithia bottle. Farms. Okay. Blue, Blue Bottle is great, but they, they are again a cafe side. So we, we yeah. definitely inspired by them, but, uh, you know, not as closely because they are, they are cafe side. A high brew, high brew coffee is another one that is very, very cool. You know, uh, um, that that has you know again done a massive job of like uh, creating fantastic products. So, so what's a long game for you guys? Is it like you know building a sustainable cash generating FMCG brand? Is it acquisition because that's a route that a lot of brands end up sort of taking, right? And good outcome on all sides. Yeah. Uh, when you think, and, and I know early days, you know, you guys are still four or five years into the journey. What's the long game from your perspective? I think, uh, you know, I mean, while, I mean, see, again, at the end of the day, founders, uh, you know, or us, we started a business, of course, you know, to, to, to get it. I mean, for ourselves and our investors to generate a good return, right? So whether that happens through IPO or acquisition, uh, you know, all paths are open for us. Uh, we're not, uh, you know, uh, I think it's too early even now for us to, you know, uh, worry about that side of it, right? We'll see what, what is to come. Uh, but what I can tell you is that, you know, we have consistently delivered a very innovative and very interesting product that I truly believe has added a lot of value to the ecosystem uh, that has added a lot of value to people's lives, right? Like if I were to go back and, you know, go through all the emails, messages, phone calls that we've received from customers and the love that we've received for them, we've definitely created real impact, right? Uh, we are not a Me Too product. Uh, we don't intend to launch Me Too products in the market, right? Uh, as, as lucrative as that might be financially, um, we have pushed the bar uh, over and over again with what we've done. And I think that, uh, you know, we want to keep doing that, right? Because um, I think that will that is what, will make us exciting, uh, even if it's for an acquisition, right? Uh, even if it's for, you know, uh, you know, an IPO or whatever it is, right? I think uh, doing novel, innovative things 
uh, is what's going to keep us afloat and we want to keep doing that so i want to switch into like last gear of this conversation which is you know uh, you obviously started out fairly young um, you know similar to me where uh, you know i was whatever 22 23 when you know i kicked off lbb as a side project um i'm sure you've grown a lot right and and with you it's not just you it's you know working with two other co-founders who are also you know young and figuring things out as they go along what's been your personal journey man uh, how have you changed uh, over the past 4 5 years You know, it's been. Uh, I think, like like you said, we started out very young. We were twenty, twenty four, twenty five, twenty four when we actually started Sleepy Owl Coffee. Um, there was, you know, I mean, we started on an itch, right? Like we wanted to scratch our itch. We were like, we want to do something on our own. Uh, this is the time. Uh, you know, we're young. We can take risks. We don't have families who depend on us. In fact, we were very lucky to have families that supported us. You know, our seed funding, uh, to clarify to everybody, came from our parents, and we're extremely, extremely grateful for that. Uh, support and belief that they had in us you know that wasn't a battle to fight uh, we got an easy start i would say uh, and um, you know we i guess we've learned to become very responsible with uh, with money uh, we've uh, learned to you know understand how to keep uh, you know your i'm still figuring this out like you know i mean on as you know because we are we're business owners and we also represent the business like you have to be intelligent about what you say as a person right like i might voice my personal opinions against the government and this and that but you have to understand where to draw the line because you also represent sleepy owl and what it stands for right and the two can't collide uh, that's been tough for me because i'm very uh, very vocal and very uh, you know uh, i feel your pain man yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know i feel your pain yeah. i feel like i feel like my colleagues are always just kicking my foot saying just stop woman like <laughs> yeah, yeah that's been tough um, i think uh, you know the, the three of us right we're like friends first right uh, it's it's you know there's always this debate that we hear right should you start a business with your friends or should you not start a business with your friends yeah. right um i think uh, i would always prefer starting a business with someone i know and already trust uh, rather than a stranger right um, um i think that knowing each other uh, having each other's backs is something that like you know we absolutely trust each other i know that we have each other's backs and that come what may like you know we're going to put each other and our you know best interests uh, uh along with the companies first right like like this is how it is and that uh, we also tell ourselves that you know we're the power of three right like you know most most we we, we the three minds six hands working together to create something um so we uh, you know passionately from the get go had very very clear roles and responsibilities Uh, in fact in the first two or three months we didn't and it was a you know massive havoc and uh, you know we sat down and we said okay this is what you do this is what you do based on each other's understanding consensus interests um and uh, till day you know we we don't uh, overlap on our roles and um, of course i got uh, you know the, the other two live together ajay and ashwin still live together um i got married and now i live separately and i moved out and i was living separately from before so so you know we navigate our uh, you know personal time friendship uh, i relationship with each other alongside like you know uh work and that that's tough but uh, we learn every single day of doing this right um so yeah it's 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 uh, it's it's exciting we are very happy to be on this journey together right and we hope that you know we, when we all we look back and like uh you know are happy with all the decisions that we made and yeah what's one event that's happened in the past 4 5 years that's actually been transformative to you as a leader um if there is any one incident or event i think um you know <clears throat> I, i would say like covid right when when covid hit right like uh, march uh, 24th or whenever the lockdown was announced right um next uh, the next 10 days were very trying because we because you know i i knew at that moment that like having a delivery product right uh, in the food space like we have to function Right, we have to have to absolutely function because this is our time to gather more market share. Like you know, be available to our consumers as well as new consumers who might discover us. Right, and I think those seven days took me back to you know early days of starting up. Right, because I think uh, I was back on the road. Right, you know, I spent hours at the police station trying to get passes, hustling, calling people, doing all kinds of jugad. You know. um i mean you know how i got the passes is another story but like you know it 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 is and that actually reminded me of the very early days of you know the first year of of hustle where you know uh, we would deliver products ourselves where i you know would go for every single pitch myself uh where we you know did all the office tastings ourselves even at your office right um so it kind of like you know showed me that like 
even as we grow, right? Um, I think I, I don't want to be a Lala type founder who sits in a chair and, you know, passes orders, right? I think that being on the ground, being with your team, being in the front of the battle lines is, is what counts, right? And for me, that was transformative because I again realized that, okay, even if that might have reduced in the year two, three, where of course we had additional responsibilities, you can't keep doing that. Um, but it should be there, you know, you should have that mindset. Let's put it that way, right? The, the mindset has to uh, be the same. Um, you can't, uh, you can't uh, let that, you know, you can't become lazy in your mind about it uh, because the team has grown, right? We're now 65, 70 people strong, right? So of course, if I want something done, I can call someone and have it done, right? It, it, but but there, is, there is some charm in getting your hands and feet dirty. Yeah, no, I second you on what COVID did. Literally similar to you, you know, same with me. It was just so nice to have that sense of fight or flight again. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, because uh, again, there are very few incidents that actually put you in that situation or like pressure test you into, you know, you're either going to come out of this or this is going to just go downhill from here. Uh, and that, you know, you you just feel that like crazy power from within you to, you know, push one day more mm-hmm. uh, and you're right COVID's actually been great it's been a really humbling experience I think for any single founder out there Absolutely. okay last two questions for you uh, first one what are uh, Indian brands that are in your little black book that you think everyone must try out apart from Sleepy Owl okay so uh, might sound biased but I, I think- know what you're going to say atmosphere what? kombucha <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah absolutely right like atmosphere kombucha like I'm um, Happy. Not not because my wife is the founder, but because I absolutely love their product. It's a fantastic uh, product. Yeah. I know the heart and soul with which they build it. Like you know, it's it's, it's beautiful. Happy Jazz, um, <clears throat> you know, biggest fan of uh, their products. And again, it's a space that's extremely cluttered. But I feel like you know, when your product is that phenomenal, like uh, you know, absolutely worth trying. Um, I'm thinking of what else. I think um, you know, I, I would. Uh, the, most of the new tonic water brands, like I don't have a, a you know one preference yet, but I think uh, Swami is fantastic. They're you know it's a really really good product. Um, I love uh, Anand and his gin. You know I think yeah. that's another uh, really cool product. And um, in the beer space, Goa Brewing Co. Uh, hint hint collaboration is on. Uh, <laughs> oh fun! <laughs> They're so good. Um, yeah, it's really good. Again, you know. Uh, what, what I like is that it's not mainstream, right? Like it's still local, artisanal, like, you know, even atmosphere is Delhi-based, Goa is pretty much Goa-based, uh, you know, so, so yeah, these are, these are a few of the products that I absolutely swear by. So fun fact, Happy Jars launched on LBB. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were like the first platform to list them. And I know Surbhi from when, again, I sound like an auntie, but like I know her from when she was at Fab India and, you know, working on this oh, as nice. a side project. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, to our listeners, uh, apart from the alcohol brands, you can get all the tonic waters and happy jar and atmosphere on LBB shops. So uh, uh, check that out. Okay, last question for you. A book, podcast, video series that you think anyone starting a brand or building a brand must listen to or read or whatever? Okay, um, I think podcast Guy Raz, like most definitely how I build this. Uh, I've been listening to it for the last few years. And then uh, obviously, he's just launched his book, which I think was a phenomenal read as well. Um, definitely uh, worth reading. Uh, another book, uh, without saying, you know, Shoe Dog by Phil Knight, like uh, phenomenal read, like it will totally inspire you to get up and like start doing things. Uh, so that was book, podcast and uh, any video series, any of that? Uh, I don't. I don't think I've been, uh, you know, keenly following any video series. Any recommendations? Uh, there's this really funny video series. It's like a Spark Notes, but like a hip hop version. It's called. Okay. Um, I'll send you the link. It's so funny. Uh, it, it's it's basically like Thug reviews. Nice. Uh, so basically there's this like you know jacked up like black guy who yeah. basically gives you like a hip hop esque review of uh-huh. the deepest books. Uh, and I don't know if you've read this book called Siddhartha by Herman Hesse or whatever. Yes, yeah. Yes. So, uh, so he gave, you have to watch this. Okay. It is so funny, but it is like the best breakdown of, uh, of his book. You and know, also Y Combinator's, um, uh, sorry, Stanford's uh, startup school okay. uh, that so, they did in collaboration with Y Combinator. Those right. videos are impeccable. I'll check this out, you know, again, without sounding childish or silly, but uh, video series is Shark Tank, man. Like, uh, <laughs> you know, I've been through 10 seasons of it and like, yeah, as, as, as like, you know, as reality TV as it might be. But I think if you can just 
watch and then draw certain things out of each each pitch each episode each story each hustle and feedback that the they give and of course it doesn't stop at that i usually the brands that i like i research them separately right um you know and and one of the interesting brands of scenarios that happened was a brand called super coffee that got rejected on shark tank right but uh, went on to now is that 100 million dollar business Holy right shit. so you check out super coffee and they were rejected by shark tank right so again it's a story that i you know when they pitched i was like oh, okay like you know good good great they should get funded but there were reasons why they didn't at that point in time and then they were resilient enough to go back and build it out right and they're they're doing phenomenal business today so i mean it's just stories right it's stories that that come to you through that so video series would be shark tank this has been fantastic thank you so much arman i have learned a lot i made a bunch of notes um where can people find you uh, twitter instagram email whatever twitter, instagram linkedin or email anywhere i think uh, you know uh, one rule of thumb that i have is uh, if you get in touch uh, 100% i will respond and will engage with you um you know i think uh, that that for me is like you know what what really disappoints me is when when you genuinely reach out to someone and they they just don't give you the time of day or never get back to you or acknowledge your existence it, it feels like you know i'm not saying every like you know high with nothing else will get responded to but if you have if you genuinely reach out uh, i would love to engage with with people as my favorite thing to do uh, you know and uh, i'm always making friends talking to people learning about new business sharing these insights even one on one right like um it's great that now thanks to you you know this is a great platform to share my experience but um, i'm always happy uh, you know to 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 answer questions and queries to people reaching out uh, and of course one of the smarter reasons to do this is because at the end of any conversation i subtle pitch have you tried sleepy owl <laughs> you please try it it's great quality product you know new I, distribution I, channel yeah because it helps right so, i mean even if i were to talk to you know three new people in a week right like they are potential customers they are potential you know they will they might have a good conversation with you and tell somebody that oh, okay you know by the way i spoke to thing and maybe you check out their product right because i'll tell you something interesting when we started right one of the things we told ourselves is that coffee other than being addictive is something that people tell their friend circle about right so if i can convince one person in a friend circle to fall in love with the product he will be the voice for the rest of his crew yeah right and tell them about it right so so that that's how the uh, you know ricochet domino effect works uh, with with uh, some consumer products right yeah absolutely guys get in touch with arman and the team at sleepy owl coffee i have personally seen them grow uh, they've come for tastings to our office they've taken part in our events selling on lbb and it's just been kudos to you guys man because i know how tough it is to build up your build products up in your category and you guys you know like you said have always pushed the bar uh, and raised the bar so keep doing that all the best man thank you sridhar thank you for doing this and have a good weekend